On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the stealth gray paint color introduced at Giga Shanghai for the Highland Model 3 has made it to the United States, but only on the Model S and X for now. Plus, speaking of Highland, the Model 3 Ludicrous is one of a couple of Teslas that has some seat-related news this week. The Cybertruck is spotted crab walking and more. friends, welcome to another episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, your weekly dose of all things Tesla. It's episode 431 for November 5th, 2023. To my left, looking longingly out the window after we've just gotten back from a nice walk, is Daisy the Boxer. And behind me, laying on the floor, is a very tuckered out Zelina the Future service dog. Well, as always, there is plenty of fun Tesla stuff to get started. So let's start right here with stealth gray paint. I love talking about new paint colors because we don't get them very often. And stealth gray is now available in the United States in North America. Although I guess technically globally, since the SNX, every SNX is made here in Fremont and shipped out from here. But stealth gray now available in North America, but only on the S and X so far. And as always with something like a paint color, I encourage you to pause the podcast and head on over to the Tesla design studio on tesla.com to take a look at it for yourself. Because I certainly did this week, and I know that the render on the design studio isn't a real picture, it isn't real life, but I have to say, Stealth Gray, in the render, to me, looks almost exactly the same as the midnight silver metallic paint color that it's replacing. So I compared apples to apples and I looked at the design studio versions of midnight silver metallic. I just pulled up a window with a model three and then I pulled up another window right next to it with the model S. I looked at them side by side and they absolutely look like the same color to me with stealth gray being a shade or two darker. So They appear to be very, very similar. As always, I will be curious to see it in real life before I form my full opinion on it. Now, uh, to try and get some context for this, to try and get an idea of how Stealth Gray will compare to Midnight Silver Metallic in the end, in real life, I ran the same side-by-side apples-to-apples exercise in the design studio with the two reds. So I had a Model S in ultra red pulled up on one side of the screen and in a different window on the other side of my screen, I had a Model 3 with multi-coat red. Now the difference here, the reason why I think this is a relevant exercise is because I have had the pleasure of seeing both of the reds in real life. So I know how the renders on the design studio compare to the real life color. Now I will say that the renders of ultra red and multi-coat red look even more similar in the design studio than the stealth gray and midnight silver metallic renders. But in real life, the ultra red, and again, my humble opinion, is way nicer. Like not just a little bit, but way nicer. So 
Therefore, I am optimistic that that will also prove to be the case with Stealth Grey, where when I do get to see it in real life, it will definitely look a lot nicer in person because Tesla's had a chance over many years to refine their painting techniques and do this better than they did 10 years ago, which is how old, well, that's how old Multicoat Red is. Midnight Silver Metallic is, ooh, maybe I'd have to, I didn't think to look this up ahead of time, but it's a good seven, six or seven years old, something like that, maybe six. Right, because the Model 3 that debuted in 2017 did start with just plain silver metallic, the lighter silver, and then it went to midnight silver in maybe 20, either 2018 or 2019. I think 2019. I believe that's correct. Anyway, I went ahead and decided to make paint colors the subject of this week's Patreon poll. And so I asked you this week again on patreon.com slash Podcast where anybody, anybody in the public is welcome to vote in the poll. You don't have to be a backer of mine. You don't have to be supporting the podcast on Patreon to go and vote in the poll each week. So the polls usually go up on Tuesday evenings. This week's poll question, what new paint color would you like to see Tesla offer? Of course, I introduced it by mentioning this change from Midnight Silver Metallic on the SNX to Stealth Gray. And then I said, well, what color would you like to see Tesla offer in North America that they aren't already offering? So I'm, I'm leaving Giga Berlin and Quicksilver and Midnight Cherry Red out of this. But here in North America, you've already got red, blue, white, black, and gray, to say it very, very simply. So I asked, what would you wish for next? And I have to say, I'm a little surprised, not by the results, but how definitive the results are. I thought these these poll choices would would be pretty evenly distributed in terms of the votes, but one color ran away with it. And again, I, I had to do this just with general colors rather than because you know I could make I could make a, a poll of 50 different color choices of all different shades of green, of purple, yellow, etc. So kept it simple. 47% of you who voted in this voted for green which of course Tesla did offer a very, very, very dark shade of in the original Model S days in 2012, 2013, and then I believe into early 2014. So green overwhelmingly winning this poll with 47% of the vote. The next highest choice was purple with 19%. Orange got 11% of the vote. Other had 13%, I might add. And then... 4% for brown, no surprise, really. That also was one of the original Model S colors and was discontinued very, very quickly because clearly not a lot of people chose it. And yellow fetched 6% of the vote. So thank you to everybody who took the time to vote in that. Speaking of paint colors, one legacy paint color that's been around since the beginning has gotten a price increase Of course, this price increase is only applicable to the Model 3 and the Model Y since the Model S and X now have any of the paint colors included in their base price. And that color, which may surprise you, is solid black. Solid black with a $500 price increase. It is now a $2,000 paint option, 
which makes it the most expensive paint option for the three and the Y, along with multi-coat red, which is also a $2,000 paint option. And this, when I was writing up my notes here, I thought about it, and I will say, totally anecdotally, of course, I have no data to back me up here, but I do live in the very Tesla-tastic San Francisco Bay Area, where there are a million threes around, a million Ys around, plenty of S's, plenty of X's. And so again, totally anecdotally, I feel like I see fewer black Teslas around than any of the other Tesla colors, particularly now that black hasn't been the free color for quite some time. It's been a, a several years now on that. And I wonder if that's because it was already a $1,500 paint color before. And black, as I think we'd all agree, black has the reputation of being very, very difficult to keep clean, or at least very difficult to, to keep clean for very long. But my honest take on this in increasing the price of solid black to $2,000 is that Tesla probably just wants to maximize profit on the batches of black threes and Ys that they do have to make, since again, it seems like not a lot of people are choosing it. I mean, I wish I knew what the actual uptake rate of black paint was, but if in fact it is low, as I suspect, I would guess that Tesla would probably prefer to do away with solid black altogether but they probably just feel like they can't. I mean, in fact, I'm not sure any car company could ever get away with not offering black paint as one of the colors. There is one other design studio change to tell you about this week, although this one's much more minor than a new paint color, AKA the thing I've been asking for for years now. In fact, you know, on that note, let me give a shout out to Tesla here. Whether it... I don't know if that shout out needs to go to Franz and the design team or to Elon for signing off on it or what, but I have talked for a long time on this podcast about how stale the existing color palette, the existing choice, uh, limited choice of colors the Teslas had has gotten. And we've now gotten ultra red and stealth gray in 2023, two new paint colors this year after we had literally not gotten a new paint color, at least again, here in the United States, shout out to Giga Berlin, but no new paint colors in the US since Midnight Silver Metallic replaced Silver Metallic back, uh, I do have it in my notes, it turns out. It was late 2018 that the silver went away and the effectively you know, dark gray, Midnight Silver Metallic replaced it. So that's five years ago that we went between new paint colors, and now we've finally gotten two of them this year. I'm getting off track a little bit. The design studio change that I was hinting at there before I went off on the paint color tangent is a price increase. The Model Y long range, of course, Tesla's most popular vehicle, went up by $500. It now starts at $49,000, okay, technically, 48,990, but I think you'll forgive me rounding up by 10 bucks. And I imagine there could be any number of different reasons for this, from costs increasing somewhere in the supply chain 
to Tesla just wanting to get a bit more profit margin out of it to maybe Tesla seeing a surge in long range Model Y orders and wanting to either make a few extra bucks on that surge or maybe they are wanting to make people think a little bit harder about the standard range version that they just introduced because they've got a whole supply of batteries that they need to have allocated for that. So they need to build those as well. As always, I will never celebrate a price increase. I will only ever celebrate a price decrease. So if you are planning to order a long range Model Y very soon, I, as always with these, I am genuinely sorry to have to break the bad news to you. It's fun to get to break the good news of price cuts, not so fun to have to tell you about price increases. Next up this week, by the way, we're not even to the main news stories yet. We're still going through the appetizers here. The NACS Coalition Report segment of the podcast is back again this week. So you might be wondering, well, who's left? Who is it? Who are you going to tell us about? It's Subaru, a company with thus far not a lot of EV offerings, but Subaru has pledged to adopt the North American charging standard. I saw this news written up on Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, according to Subaru, their EV owners will have to wait a little longer than most of the other non-Tesla car companies that are going to be joining the network. Starting in 2025, existing owners of Subaru EVs will be provided a CCS to NACS adapter. And in the same year, Subaru will start integrating the NACS charge port directly into their EVs. It won't be available on all models released that year, however many that will be, with Subaru only saying it will be included on, quote, certain EV models in 2025. And so, A, welcome Subaru. B, the list of companies who have not signed on to NACS continues to grow ever shorter. The two biggies that are left are Volkswagen Group, which of course encompasses not just Volkswagen, but Audi, Porsche, uh, and then Stellantis, which encompasses Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler, Fiat, etc. So VW Group and Stellantis, and that's really about it as far as the biggies. It's still the other assorted smaller car companies that I told you about on the last NACS Coalition Report. Mazda comes to mind. Ferrari is technically on there since they are planning an EV. Um, I guess Lamborghini would technically be on there too. Aston Martin, I think, is on there. So it's it's mostly smaller boutique car makers that are left aside from those two big ones. I mean, Mazda's a good-sized company, but they just don't, they hardly have any EV offerings. And to my knowledge, they don't have much of an EV plan moving forward. So we'll see if eventually Mazda signs on. The bigger question, of course, Volkswagen Group and Stellantis. Those are the last two biggies. All right, before I get to the main news stories this week, the main course, I hope all of you who are kindly backing me on Patreon at that $10 per month tier or higher enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which I do every single week on Patreon for those $10 per month and up backers who are super kind and generous. This week's lightning round mini episode was about why I think now is the time that Tesla should build the next generation 
Roadster. So I laid out my case for why now is in fact the ideal time to finally get that project going. As a reminder, anytime any of you are kind enough to join my Patreon at that $10 per month tier or higher, you will get access to every single one of these lightning round mini episodes. There are now 70 of them. We're up to 70, so the library's built up. You can find out more on my Patreon page, which again is located at patreon.com slash Podcast. If monthly backing isn't your thing, you'd rather, you do want to support me, but you'd rather just pledge once for the year, you can do an annual pledge on that same website, the patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you do choose to do the annual pledge option, you will get a 10% discount. So hopefully that's a, that's my way of saying thank you if you're kind enough to support for an entire year. And then don't forget as well, Patreon has those seven-day free trial memberships now as well, specifically for that most popular tier, that $10 a month tier. So head on over, check it out if you'd like to see what it's like to be supporting me on Patreon and the different perks that you get, including those lightning round mini episodes. Okay, following up on last week's story. Oh, wait, no, I missed one thing. I'm sorry, let me back up a quick second. There's one last fun piece of mini news before we get started, and I'm going to let listener Justin from Vancouver, Washington, share it with you. Go ahead, Justin. Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Justin from Vancouver, Washington. Just letting you know I'm happy to say that I have uh, got the Gran Turismo 7 with the uh, PlayStation VR 2 headset and the force feedback wheel and the PlayStation Evolution, and I got uh, my 2023 Performance Model 3 DLC downloaded, and I'm going to go home and ride my car on the Nürburgring tonight from my house in VR. It is a blast. So I hope you have fun with that. I know you're already playing it. Have a good one. Thanks, Justin. I am happy for you to share this news with fellow gamers because Gran Turismo 7 shipped with the 2012 Model S P85 in it. I have mentioned that before, back when GT7 for PSVR 2 came out. I should clarify, you don't need to have the PlayStation VR 2 in order to play Gran Turismo 7. It's playable on a, just a regular PS4 or a PS5 as well, but it is extra awesome if you do happen to have a PSVR 2. I think I talked about this at the time the PSVR 2 came out back in February. It is, it really feels like you're in the car. Like, I know that's a really hyperbolic thing to say, but it is extremely convincing when you're in VR and you're sitting in the cockpit of a car that you know and love, which in terms of the Gran Turismo 7 lineup of cars, it's the Model S P85, which my cousin Pat had and I spent a lot of time in the driver's seat of, and the DeLorean, which is also in the game, which I've spent way even more time, like so much time, in that car. So uh, it is awesome in PSVR 2 if you happen to have that. But yes, Justin, the Model 3 performance has been added to Gran Turismo 7 via downloadable content. Hilariously, uh, not to look a gift horse in the mouth here, but the Polyphony Digital Development Team at Sony, I, I feel not bad for them, but it's like they, they put all the work in to model that car 
the 2023 Model 3 Performance and put it into the game, and it's about to be outdated as soon as the Highland Model 3, and specifically the Highland Model 3 Ludicrous, arrives on our shores here, which we're expecting in the next, you know, two, three, maybe four months at the most. But it's still super cool, nevertheless. This is going to be a good excuse for me to dust off my PSVR 2, which I admit, there hasn't been a lot of compelling software released for it since it launched, gosh, what is that, nine months ago already? But I, I definitely want to fire up the game again and check out what it's like to have my own car, the Model 3 performance in the game. Uh, all right. Now, for real, on to the rest of the Tesla news this week. Following up on last week's story about how the aforementioned upcoming Highland Model 3 Ludicrous is getting different, sportier seats from the regular new Model 3 Highland, it would appear that a couple of other Teslas are doing the same. As spotted on the Tesla Motors subreddit by user s 3 Perian which I don't know if that's supposed to be just Superian or what, but if I've butchered the pronunciation and you happen to be listening to this, I do apologize. But anyway, given credit where credit's due, the evidence for this comes from the Tesla service manual, pretty definitive and clear-cut evidence, where there's not just a page for seat back, first row seat, left hand sport seat, but also a picture of what I presume to be a pre-production version of this seat. And I say presumably pre-production because on the one that's shown in the picture, there are a lot of creases in the vegan leather, which for the money, you'd want to not see that in the final seat. So hopefully just a pre-production unit there. Anyway, these particular sport seats are black, no word yet if there will be white and or cream ones available too. the other two colors available on the Model S plaid. And they are shaped like your typical racing seat, meaning that they have some serious side bolsters. The seat, you can picture it, it basically hugs your whole body. You know, your legs, you're kind of sitting, you're like, you're sitting in this thing that is kind of enveloping you, giving you a, giving you a comfy hug. Now, a neat touch on this new seat is that below the headrest, around where the either top of your shoulders, base of your neck would be, there's an inset plate, little vertical plate, with the plaid logo on it, which is super cool looking. So, my guess for these sport seats is that they're not going to go in every single Model S plaid, but rather, I believe they will probably be a part of the track package instead. And the reason I say that is that I imagine that these bucket sport seats probably aren't going to have the heating and cooling elements in them. And so that probably wouldn't be seen as an upgrade for most plaid buyers. And thus, I expect that these are probably only going to be sold to the super dedicated folks that want to go the whole nine yards in the performance department, take their Model S plaid on the track, and for the rest of the other, you know, overwhelming majority of Model S plaid buyers, they're probably going to want to have the regular vegan leather Tesla seat that has heating, has ventilated, cooling in it, etc. 
and as a and as a power seat. We actually, I guess, technically, we don't know if this plaid sport seat is a power seat or not. But oftentimes, these kinds of seats are not powered in order to save weight. All right, next up this week, I mentioned a couple of other Teslas getting sport seats a moment ago because the Cybertrucks that were taken to Baja, Mexico had bucket seats with four-point racing harnesses in them. Well, somebody got a better look at those seats later in that Cybertruck when when they were empty, so you could just, you know, peer in to the truck and see, you know, get a pretty good look at, at these racing harness, four-point racing harness seats that Tesla had installed for Baja, Mexico. And I will confess here, what I'm about to say is my own hunch, nothing more, so I can't say this is confirmed fact, but in taking a look at the picture of those bucket sport seats in the Cybertruck, they looked awfully, shall I say, Tesla-y. And what I mean by that is they looked like Tesla seats, but in bucket, side-bolstered, four-point racing harness form. I pointed this out on Reddit, and uh, several other folks agreed with my assessment on that, that this looked like a seat that had been designed in-house at Tesla. So, like the plaid sport seats, I would again imagine that if Tesla has gone to the trouble of designing their own Cybertruck bucket seats, sport seats as well, that they're probably going to be part of some kind of maybe off-road package for the Cybertruck down the line. I mean, I would seriously doubt that they would come standard in all of the Cybertruck tri-motor performance versions. And the reason I say that is because that flies in the face of all of the evidence that we've seen so far with all of the release candidate Cybertrucks running around. So stay tuned on both of these fronts. The plaid sports seats, those seem quite official already, like at this moment in time, because the evidence for them came straight out of the official Tesla service manual. That's about as official as it gets. The off-road racing harness, harness pardon me, seats for the Cybertruck that I, I just got done talking about and speculating about, that admittedly is a bit less of a sure thing, at least at this point, but I do imagine that they will be formally introduced as an option at some point and probably sooner rather than later. Speaking of the Cybertruck, it looks like the Cybertruck will have a crab walk feature similar to what the Hummer EV can do. Credit on this goes to Giga Texas's resident drone flyer, Joe Tegtmeyer, who puts out videos on a very regular basis of Giga Texas flyovers where you can often see Cybertrucks running around the property or plugging in and supercharging, that kind of thing. Joe's drone was making its rounds at the Giga Texas grounds this past week and spotted a Cybertruck on a stretch of dirt road. That unto itself, not unusual. But what is unusual, what you can clearly see in the top-down bird's-eye view video, is you can see the Cybertruck make a couple of passes with the rear wheel steering turning the rear wheels as far as they can go, which isn't super far. They don't, they don't turn that much. But you see them turned a little bit as far as they'll go, 
and then the front wheels are, are kind of driving straight, so it's it's kind of strafing along. That's the best word I can come up with, even though strafing technically means like just moving to the side. It's not a direct, like absolute horizontal strafe, but it is it is moving sort of weirdly forward and to the side. Just maybe the word askew might be a better word for this. So it's not a surprise that the Cybertruck seems like it's going to ship with this feature. I mean, Elon has mentioned crab walking before on Twitter as it pertains to the Cybertruck. And with the rear wheel steering, I mean, it's sitting right there for the Tesla engineers to implement. However, I do want to put this question out to all of you. And it's an honest question. What is the practical use case for crab walking? As I've told you before, as I've admitted, I am not a truck person at all. The Cybertruck will be my first foray into the truck universe. So I, as, as much as I love cars and have always loved cars since I was the littlest, littlest of kids, trucks have never been my thing. So I just don't know what the use case for crab walk is. So I would love to be educated on that. You don't need to necessarily call in on that, but if you'd like to email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, I would love to hear from you on what crab walk is legitimately good for. Still on the subject of the Cybertruck this week, Elon Musk made another appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast. I think this was his fourth time on, maybe, at this point. Anyway, there were a couple of Cybertruck tidbits in there. First, I should note that Joe Rogan, with Elon's permission and blessing, shot a compound bow arrow at the driver door of Elon's Cybertruck. And indeed, the head of that arrow, the metal head of the arrow, shattered. It did not go through the stainless. It certainly did leave a mark that would probably be quite a job to get out, but the Cybertruck's thick stainless steel skin did reject this compound bow arrow shot from probably 10 or 15 feet away. There's video of it online. So in case you were thinking about shooting an arrow at your Cybertruck just to test it to see if it would go through the stainless, well... There's no need to worry about it. Joe Rogan's already got you covered. And now you know that arrow will not go through the skin of your stainless steel truck. So uh, the other two tidbits from the Rogan podcast are summed up by Drive Tesla Canada. Commenting on the truck's weight, Elon said, quote, depends on configuration, but it's about, I don't know, 7,000 pounds. There's different versions, but six to 7,000 pounds, it's a heavy truck, end quote. Now for comparison, the Rivian R1T has a curb weight of 7,148 pounds, and the F-150 Lightning is up to 6,500 pounds, depending on the trim, while for a little bit more context, just to, just to help kind of cement this for you, in terms of where the Cybertruck lands in the EV truck space. The Hummer EV is 9,000 pounds. So 
thank you, number one, thank you to Drive Tesla Canada for transcribing that quote. And my own thought here is, if the Cybertruck clocks in about the same as the Rivian, I think that would be pretty darn impressive. And the reason for that is because the Rivian is a smaller truck. The Rivian's not full size. The Cybertruck is. So if they end up weighing about the same, and perhaps even a little less, because Elon said six to 7,000 pounds, depending on the configuration. Again, the R1T with its four motors is 7,148 pounds. So interesting little bit of context there. And then the other quote that Drive Tesla Canada kindly transcribed from Elon's most recent Joe Rogan podcast appearance is this, talking about performance. Elon says, quote, we're aiming to get the zero to 60 below three seconds for the beast mode version. So we've got a beast mode version, end quote. Now that of course isn't really news considering that the spec given at the reveal event four years ago was zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds for the 500 mile range tri-motor Cybertruck. And just to bring the Hummer EV back into the picture for one more minute, all 9,000 pounds of it, that 9,000 pound Hummer EV does do the zero to 60 sprint in three seconds flat. So this is an unprecedented territory here for the tri-motor Cybertruck. In fact, the Rivian, the R1T, again, with its quad motor setup, also does zero to 60 in the same three seconds. So not uncharted territory for EV pickup trucks. We'll see if the Cybertruck ends up being any bit noticeably quicker from zero as its competition. Although on that note, just as a friendly reminder, because now the countdown's officially on, we are now just over three weeks away from finally, finally learning everything about the Cybertruck, getting these last four years worth of questions answered. Are you getting excited yet? I most definitely am. I tweeted about it the other day. I, I, I even timed it. Because it was, you know, the, the reveal event is going to be in Texas, central time. So at s about 7 o'clock Pacific time, which would be 9 o'clock in Texas, I tweeted a picture of the Cybertruck and said something like, in four weeks from right now, the Cybertruck will be officially launched. So as, as all of you hear this, it's just over three weeks away. It's maybe three and a half, as many of you are hearing this. So... We are getting close, and that is awesome. I've got two more stories to tell you about this week. The first one comes via Teslarati. New research shows that Tesla is also the most popular brand for U.S. fleets that are going electric. And again, the summary from Teslarati here, who writes, According to new data from S&P Global Mobility, Tesla vehicles constituted almost a third of EV fleet purchases over the trailing 13-month period from July of 2023, while the Model 3 and Model Y were among the most popular vehicles sold to fleets. These included daily rental, corporate and government fleet purchases, and the Model 3 was the most registered on the list by almost 10,000 units. In registration data from the group, 
The top-selling EV models to U.S. fleet companies were the Tesla Model 3 with over 28,000 units, the Chevy Bolt with 19,500 units, and the Model Y with 11,149 units. Others from Ford, Rivian, Polestar, and more fell beneath 10,000 registered units total during the period. The report also notes that the Chevy Bolt captured 39% of EV registrations for government fleets, accounting for more than the total Ford EV contributions from the F-150 Lightning, the E-Transit, and the Mustang Mach-E. The Model 3 had just 6% of government EV fleet registrations, the same amount as the Nissan Leaf. Well, as it comes, as it pertains to fleets, we've seen Tesla start to lean into this, right? With their recent rollout of fleet management software on the app side of things, you've got that. Now, it's interesting to me that the bulk of Tesla's fleet sales have come in the private sector versus the public sector, but you know what? It's actually not surprising because quite honestly, Teslas are probably overkill for the fleet work that the government needs. It make it honestly it makes sense that the Chevy Bolt tops that list. That car is simple, that car is cheap, and I mean both of those things as compliments to be explicitly clear here. But that should change a bit over time because what is Tesla working on? A simple, cheap $25,000 EV the Generation 3 car, which, by the way, Elon Musk stopped in to check on the team at Giga Berlin, and during his time there, mentioned to the team that they intend, that Tesla intends to build the Generation 3 car also at Giga Berlin. We heard him say not too long ago that the production will begin at Giga Austin, Giga Texas, before also moving down and and, uh, getting more production out of the Giga Mexico plant. And as I think I was just talking about this last week, I feel like, about how it makes a ton of sense for Giga Berlin. Oh yeah, I was talking about the production expansion permits that were filed, the plans that are in place for the next year at the Giga Berlin plant. So you heard Elon confirm my you know, it's not like my hypothesis was some super genius thing. It was it was fairly obvious stuff, but now we know for sure that Giga Berlin will indeed be producing the Generation 3 car for Europe, which makes tons of sense. Also, it almost goes without saying here, but when it comes to fleet stuff, fleet rentals, fleet purchases, I should say, shout out to Hertz because... As I, I've said before, but Hertz basically bet its future on EVs. And yes, I say EVs in general, but particularly Tesla, with that $4 billion order of Model 3s and some Model Ys from just two years ago. I mean, the other rental car companies out there, they're going to inevitably have to follow suit if they want to stay in business. Now, they won't have to order just Teslas, but given that it's almost 2024 now, and to my knowledge, 
No other car company outside of China can even come within arm's reach of Tesla's EV production capabilities. Tesla will inevitably have to be in the mix for the Avises, budgets, enterprises, Alamos, etc. of the world as those car rental companies upgrade their fleets, modernize their fleets to EVs. All right. The last story I have for you this week before we get along to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your phone calls that are teed up and ready to go. I'm looking forward to that. But this final story is once again from Tesla Roddy, who notes that Tesla supplier Panasonic announced plans this week to cut domestic production of electric vehicle batteries due to some vehicle sales being slower than initially planned. Tesla Roddy sums it up saying, Panasonic says it plans to cut Japanese EV battery production by as much as 60%, citing slower sales than expected for specific Tesla models, according to a report from Nikkei Asia. The statement of plans to slash production came during an earnings call for the company, with Panasonic CFO Hirokazu Umeda saying that some EV battery production lines had already been stopped in hopes of reducing already existing stockpiles of EV batteries. The report notes that the 60% figure is compared to its production numbers in Q1, and it's expected to last between now and March of 2024, the company said. Umeda also stated that Panasonic dropped the supply of its 18650 EV batteries to Tesla during Q2, and the company says it plans to use some of that extra capacity to work with other customers. These older batteries, according to Umeda, are still in use in Tesla Model S and Model X vehicles. He also alluded to the fact that the company may be looking beyond the auto industry for additional customers. Quote, We are talking with many other potential domestic customers. We are thinking of many uses for the battery capacity, end quote. Currently, domestic EV battery production in Japan represents around 20% of Panasonic's global total, and Umeda also noted that it will not increase production at its American factories at this time either. Well, it is the Model S and Model X for sure, as they mentioned. I mean, we've seen signs of lagging demand on the S and the X for a while now. From the owner loyalty perks that Tesla instituted early this year to the new ultra red paint color. In fact, now the two new paint colors, plural, ultra red and stealth gray to the major price cuts on the S and the X on down to the current offer to transfer free lifetime supercharging to a new SX or Y with, in my humble opinion, the Y being included there telling you that Tesla really wants to convert some of those longtime owners into new car deliveries this quarter. Anyway, the overall point I'd like to make here is, is a simple one. And that is Tesla has been, excuse me, Panasonic has been with Tesla since the beginning. They have weathered good times and bad. And hey, this is a bit of a dip in one battery the 18650. The 2170 battery cells that are also made at Giga Nevada still in high demand for every Model Y and Model 3 that Tesla can build. 
everything is gonna be just fine here for Panasonic. I have no doubt about that. All right, that is everything I've got for you in this week's, again, busy week of Tesla news. Stick with me though. I've got your Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Real quick, before we get to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, let me mention my friends at Accelerate Auto and their X-Care extended warranty coverage for your Tesla. Tesla, as you probably have heard enough times by now to have memorized, Tesla themselves only sells a fixed two-year, 25,000-mile extended warranty coverage plan, which you have to buy before your factory four-year, 50,000-mile warranty is up. X-Care offers way more, up to 10 years, up to 125,000 miles. X-Care can also be purchased for any Tesla, no matter where you bought it. Tesla's plan, again, is only offered to customers who bought their cars new from Tesla. And as I mentioned, you have to opt in to Tesla's before your factory warranty runs out. X-Care plan's way more flexible. Uh, Both do Well, X-Care covers everything Tesla does, and if you want to, it'll cover even more because both Tesla and X-Care have the $100 deductibles and 24-7 roadside assistance. X-Care also offers rental reimbursement and trip interruption coverage, and optionally, that battery and drivetrain coverage as well is available for you on X-Care if you'd like it. So head on over to accelerateauto.com slash X-Care that's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E. And don't forget to use the discount code LIGHTNING for $100 off your policy purchase. And then also this week, Ride the Lightning is brought to you in part by Oracle NetSuite. Business owners, tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. You have too many manual processes. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 36,000, 25, and one. That first number, 36,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that is how old NetSuite is. That turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, well, that's for you because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk get reliable forecasts, and improve margins, everything you need, all in one place. So, right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com lightning. That's netsuite.com lightning to get your own KPI checklist, netsuite.com lightning. 
All right, we move along now to the Ride the Lightning hotline, your chance to call in and potentially be featured here on Ride the Lightning, which I welcome and invite you to do. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic, there are two easy ways to call in. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible, and then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90-second question and call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's very simple. It's a toll-free number you can dial anytime, 24-7, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Kicking it off this week with John from New York. Hey, Ryan, this is John from New York. Uh, just the point of interest regarding episode 429, uh, the Cybertruck launch episode recently. Uh, you know, Elon Musk did say that uh, something to the effect of one million people had reservations. You know, he, he didn't say that there were one million plus reservations themselves. So... If uh, we interpret that correctly, uh, and plus uh, some other information I've heard elsewhere was estimating two plus million reservations, you know, that's that's just one million potential customers with reservations, like you said, some of which have multiple reservations. So anyway, I think the actual number of reservations is probably closer to two million plus. Anyway, enjoy the show. Keep it up. Thanks. Thanks for your call, John. I completely agree with you. The community-built reservation trackers that are out there also estimate that it's around 2 million reservations. And I'm sure the real number is closer to 2 million than it is to 1 million. Now, to be fair, I don't think Elon was necessarily looking to give an exact number in that scenario. I think he was more just trying to make a point that they have a lot of work in front of them to fulfill the incredible number of orders. And yes, some people have multiple reservations that they won't go through with all of them, and others might just not go through with their however many reservations they have for whatever their reasons. But as I'd also mentioned, the Cybertruck is also about to become a rolling advertisement despite its complete and total lack of Tesla badging on the outside of the truck. Translation, more reservations are about to come in on a continued basis. That toothpaste is not going to go back in the tube here very, very, very soon. The Cybertruck, in my opinion, is going to have a halo effect on the entire Tesla brand, which is an effect normally reserved for supercars. But mark my words, it is going to happen here. People will see and hear about this thing. They're going to get curious about it. They're going to go to Tesla's website And if they either don't buy a Cybertruck for whatever reason or just can't because the waiting list is super long, they might end up buying another Tesla. I think we are about to witness the next phase of Tesla's evolution, not just as a vehicle manufacturer in terms of their manufacturing expertise 
and their, their volume production capabilities, but also the next phase of their evolution in terms of brand awareness with the general public as well. The next caller is Keith from Missouri, also talking Cybertruck. Hello, Ryan. This is Keith, the Tesla Hillbilly from Missouri. I've got a couple of Cybertruck questions today that I was hoping you or your audience might be able to shed some more light on. The first one is, does the storage compartment underneath the vault, is it large enough, do we know, to store a spare tire? Then the second question is, on the tailgate of the vault, does that still have a extendable ramp to come out to the ground to allow one to drive up a uh, vehicle or to push up materials on that ramp uh, into the vault of the pickup? Uh, give uh, Daisy and Selena a pat for me, and uh, how about those D-backs? Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye. Keith, it is always a pleasure to hear from you, and yes... How about those Diamondbacks? They didn't quite win that championship, couldn't quite bring it home in the World Series. But man, they won the pennant. They got there. Totally surprised everybody, even their own fans, even me. It was a fun ride, and I was very grateful to get to go down there and share that with my mom, take her to one World Series game, and and my Uncle Tony get to take him, well, go with him to game four as well, even though they were they were all losses. It was still a a rare treat, and it was awesome to get to cheer on my team in the World Series. All right, anyway, to your first question about whether or not the sub-vault storage compartment can hold a spare tire, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it. There was not only a picture online from just a couple months ago giving a pretty good look at it fully open, but there was a video of it from just this week of a Tesla engineer actually showing it to a fan who was standing there uh, with them and asking some questions. And the, the, the Tesla employee opened up that sort of sub-vault storage area. And while it's definitely wide enough, it is seemingly, I'm, I'm very confident when I say this, it does not appear to be either deep enough to put the wheel in vertically because it would hit the battery pack if, if you know it's not deep enough that way. And... It doesn't appear to be long enough to lay the tire down parallel to the ground the way that most cars with a spare tire store it. Sadly, it's also a near guarantee, at least in my humble opinion, that Tesla will not be including a spare tire with the Cybertruck. They've never done so, which presumably not only for cost, Uh, but also weight reasons and Elon's whole the best part is no part mantra. So even though the Cybertruck, I acknowledge, is the one vehicle in the Tesla lineup that makes the best case to have a spare tire included with it and hidden away somewhere. However, plenty of folks are still going to want to have a spare tire for their off-roading adventures, and you'll just have to secure it in the vault amongst the rest of your stuff. Now, your second question was about the ramp on the tailgate. And while we can't rule this one out completely yet, also not looking good. And the reason I say that is because there has not been a single image of it in action since the original prototype, despite the fact that we now have many dozens and dozens of pictures and videos 
from dozens of different release candidate Cybertrucks. So again, we can't rule it out for certain, but it's not looking great at the moment. Thank you very much, as always, for your call, Keith. Next is Reese from the Sunshine Coast of Australia. Thanks, Ryan. I just wanted to add some comments and speak to the Model Y update in China to the interior you mentioned a couple of weeks ago. There is actually one change to the exterior as well, being the new Gemini cover wheels will now be black, and there is a pick out there of the alloy rims underneath that are now a gunmetal grey, which looks a lot better in my opinion. I also wanted to throw some ideas out there for Tesla software developers to add for one feature we're all asking for that 360 degree camera. Obviously the cameras aren't positioned on the Tesla in the right locations to achieve this. So I think the quick fix to this would be when you start to park the vehicle and the visualization appears as an overhead and shows the distance to the wall or the car in front of you or behind you as you're parking. I think the visualization of the lines should be added as well, which we all know Tesla's very good at while you're driving, picking up and visualizing the lines, but for some reason when you're parking, those lines aren't at the moment. So if they add those lines, also if they add a visualization for where the gutter or the curb is as you're parking, I think that will help um, alleviate those requests for 360 degree camera. I think that'll be the, the best fix for Tesla to offer in the meantime. And also blind spot monitoring, the other feature that's highly asked for. We know the Model 3 Highlander is getting those red dots that will appear in the speakers at the front by the A-pillars. I think a red dot in each corner, the left and top right corner of the screen as a blind spot indicator would work great. I know we have the, the cameras that pop up when you indicate now, but I think looking at those and trying to make sure there's no car in that spot while you're driving uh, is good, but not, not as safe as a red dot that would quickly appear in the top corners of the screen. I think they can make that work the same way as the dots on the speakers that will be coming on the new vehicles for our existing vehicles on screen would be great. This has been Reese from the Sunshine Coast. Ryan, back to you. I appreciate your call, Reese. I was just talking about this with a friend the other day. The quickest fix for the post-ultrasonic sensor world of Tesla that we all now live in, whether we want to or not, seems like a simple one to me. And that is put the lower front bumper camera on every single hardware four car. And every car is already hardware for except the Model 3, and that should change in Q1 of 2024 here in the U.S. once Highland arrives stateside. We know the Cybertruck is getting that lower front bumper camera, so hopefully when it does, Tesla will begin adding it to the rest of the hardware for fleet as well, which, again, is basically the rest of the entire fleet. Also... I want to thank you for including that one Model cha- Model Y change that I accidentally omitted when I talked about it, because it is a notable one. Yes, the Gemini wheels will now be, whether you want to call it a dark gray or a black, probably more like a dark, dark gray, I guess. And in my humble opinion, that is a small but very notable change, because personally, I think those are the only ugly wheels the Y has. I like the 20 inch wheels and I like the Uber turbine 21s. So making the Gemini wheels dark in color, I've seen the pictures, 
of of the new Chinese build, Shanghai build, model-wise, with the dark-colored Gemini 19-inch wheels. And I really think that change in color goes a long way towards making them look better on the Model Y. In fact, you may remember Tesla did the same thing with the 19-inch Tempest wheels on the Model S. Before the new redesigned, refreshed, whatever you want to call it, before the new Model S was released in 2021, Tesla had the 19-inch Tempest wheel as the default on the Model S, but it was that wheel was in silver. And again, my opinion, because wheel design is pretty subjective, but in my opinion, those silver Tempest wheels looked awful on the beautiful Model S. Such a beautiful backdrop, the sporty, muscular-looking Model S, and you had these, in my opinion, just silver, arrow-looking, just really unattractive wheels that did not match the car at all. But for the Model S's refresh in 2021, they took that same exact wheel and just darkened it to a dark gray or black, whatever it actually is. And while I will say I still don't personally care too much for them, I think they look a lot better now. They're a lot more palatable against the backdrop of that gorgeous, muscular, powerful-looking Model S. All right, I've got time for one more call this week. It comes from Tyler responding to my call last week about, hey, if anybody out there is taking advantage of this limited-time offer to transfer your free lifetime supercharging, I've heard from a few of you. So thank you very much to all of you who've responded. Here is Tyler talking about his experience. Hey, Ryan, I'm just calling in response to your uh, question about the supercharging transfer incentive. I just wanted to let you know that for me and my family, it's what convinced us to become a two uh, Tesla household. We moved our budget around and made it so that we could buy a Model Y. It's silly because we don't use the free supercharging all that often. It's mostly a daily driver and we charge it overnight. But like you said, the psychology of being able to, on the one or two road trips we take a year, be able to plug in for free and not have to worry about charging when we're on our route. Uh, for us, it was a big upgrade from a 2015 Model S to the you know 2024, 20 model year model y because we get to upgrade from that 100 kilowatt hour supercharge or 100 kilowatt supercharging to the 250 that the new model y's have so that'll be really cool for us not to mention all of the new cameras the faster computer and all of the uh, octavalve valves and whistles that we'll get with it so we're really excited to get a hold of that and uh, yeah for us that that was enough of an incentive to go ahead and pull the trigger just wanted to let you know thanks for all you do and we'll talk to you later bye Thank you for sharing your story, Tyler. I have to say, I failed to appreciate the supercharging speed aspect of it for the owners of the older S's and X's that, as I said, I believe that this offer is primarily targeted at. So not only will you get to keep your free lifetime supercharging, but you will supercharge much faster when you are doing your free lifetime supercharging. That is definitely a nice little... I don't know if you could call it a hidden bonus to this offer, but it kind of is. It is maybe not the first thing you, you think about. Again, clearly with me, it wasn't the first thing that I thought about. So congratulations to you and your family, and I hope you enjoy your new Model Y. And in fact, on this topic, breaking news as I record here on Friday night, 
I received, while recording, I just received some information from a Tesla source on this topic. And in short, it is this, supercharging transfer alert. Tesla will make an exception and honor free supercharging transfer requests after the December 31st, 2023 deadline if all of the following conditions are met. And it lists a few, basically, the, the short of it is you're not going to be able to place an order uh, after December 31st. That's that's not going to work. But um, it's basically saying I think it's it's a little bit tighter than what they did with the FSD transfer last quarter where you could go ahead and order the car on September 30th and you'd be eligible to transfer your FSD. In this case... Uh, it does specify the customer was provided a delivery window in 2023 at the time the order was placed. So I think effectively Tesla is saying, if you played by the rules and got your order in, in time to take delivery by the end of the quarter, but if Tesla wasn't, isn't able to get you your new car by December 31st, they will still honor it. So you're not going to be able to, to place an order super, super late and take advantage of this free lifetime supercharging transfer. But Tesla, I think here, they're basically saying, I mean, I guess I'll just read you all four things just so you have the information, but uh, rather than, you, so then you don't have to rely on my interpretation. So remember, all, all of the following conditions must be met. Number one, customer is eligible for the free supercharging transfer program and agreed to the program's terms and conditions in writing by December 31st. Number two, customer was provided a, as I said already, a delivery window in 2023 at the time the order was placed. Number three, the order is for an in-production vehicle. So I guess you can't order a Cybertruck. They're, they're accepting, I think that might specific, I, didn't, I hadn't thought about this because I'm, I'm just reading this for the first time. I think that's uh, for the Cybertruck, which I don't know how that really makes sense because the Cybertruck... It was never one of the vehicles mentioned. It's SX and Y. Anyway, order is for an in-production vehicle. And then number four, Tesla did not have a vehicle with customers' exact configuration available for delivery by December 31st, 2023. So thank you to my Tesla source for sending me that. Perfect timing as I'm recording and as I happen to be talking about this exact thing, courtesy of Tyler's phone call, uh, but yeah, that is good news that basically Tesla is saying, if we don't hold up our end of the bargain and we're, and we're unable to get you your car by December 31st, we will still honor that free lifetime supercharging transfer. All right. That is everything I've got for you. That's all I've got time for really in terms of the ride the lightning hotline calls, but keep your calls coming. I love hearing from you. You can call in in either of the two easy ways that I told you about at the top of this segment, and I promise you I will get to some more phone calls on next week's podcast. But for now, stick with me. I've got a little bit more Ride the Lightning for you coming up right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Well, as for what's going on with me, as I mentioned a moment ago, I made an unexpected, pleasant trip 
to Phoenix. Nobody was hurt. Nobody is sick. Everything's good. It was just like, oh, I wasn't expecting to be in Arizona seeing family, but oh, my Diamondbacks made the World Series. Awesome. They did not win said World Series or even in the end come particularly close, but they won the National League pennant. They'll still hang a a new banner up in the rafters of the stadium next season. And it was just awesome to get to cheer on my team in the World Series for the first time in 22 years. 22 years. Anyway, uh, as for my Tesla, it needs to be washed. It needed it last weekend, but I went down to Arizona last weekend. So we are very fortunate to be enjoying some very beautiful fall weather here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I have wash car on my to-do list for this weekend. An entertainment recommendation for you. This one is not family appropriate. This is just for the grown-ups only, even though it is a cartoon. It's an adult cartoon for sure. And I'm sure I mentioned this back when season one was on two or maybe three, a couple years ago at least. Anyway, the show is Invincible. It is a superhero show based on a graphic novel. Season one was incredible. Season two just started rolling out on Prime Video, so happy to give that a shout again as I dive back into... I'm looking forward to seeing how they follow up that fantastic first season. Hey, how about a pro tip of the week? Back to all things Tesla. Here is one from Somi in Vancouver, British Columbia. Hello, Ryan. This is Somi from Vancouver, British Columbia with a pro tip for everyone like you and I who have a Tesla with full self-driving. So the most recent major version change to version 11 uh, combined the city and highway stacks together and introduced a new, it's not really a total new feature, but it's the feature where the car will decide when to change lanes. So if you want to get out of the passing lane or if you want to get into a faster lane and things like that. Uh, Previous to this, you were able to just turn it off. Uh, But now it's on by default at the beginning of every drive. And so as a consolation, they also gave us a option to minimize the lane changes. And so the function is there in our car. So as you know, the way that we normally, or what I understood to normally get there was to tap the car icon at the bottom left corner of the screen. And then when the menu popped up, you would look for the autopilot settings and tap that. And then in those settings is a toggle button to toggle that function on and off. And I have found a much faster way to get that, uh, get access to that button. So if you um, push the, the right scroll wheel button on your steering wheel to the left or to the right, it brings up the um, autopilot, um, uh, uh, I guess, aggressive, the, the level of aggressiveness. So there's uh, chill, average, and assertive. And in that window that pops up then also is a button there that says minimize lane changes, and you just tap that. And the reason why I think this is so important is that even though I think it's actually quite impressive that the car is doing a great job at choosing when to get out of lanes and when to change lanes, there are times when it's a little too much and I just, you know, want the car to chillax, you know, in the, in the slow lane and just stay. And so typically when you're turning this function on, uh, you're driving. And so that's a lot of looking at the screen to look for that toggle button. This is a nice, quick, and very safe way to turn that function on and off. And so that's why I wanted to share it with our listeners. So safe driving, everybody. I hope this helps. 
Yes, thank you, Somi. This is a clutch tip for anybody with the FSD beta. Thank you for sharing it, and I hope you are enjoying your new Model Y. If anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, you can send it in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls, which I gave you the call-in instructions for just a few minutes ago. Before I get out of here, though, let me mention some friends of Ride the Lightning that can hopefully be of use to you sooner or later. First up is abstractocean.com, makers of a million different excellent aftermarket accessories. It might not actually be a million, but it is seriously a lot. They have so many that you can sort by car. So if you've got a Model 3 like me, just click on Model 3 and it will show you all of the great accessories that they have available for the Model 3. There is the custom fit tempered glass screen protectors that are complete with the subtle curve that's in the bottom of the glass that you might not even notice on the screen. They've also got center console wraps as well. If you've got an older Model 3 like I do, they've got the, what, the drop-in cup holder stabilizers, which is nice if you're if your cup that you like to, or container that you like to have in the cup holder is not as big as the cup holder itself, that's a nice little accessory. They've got the rear footwell lighting kit, which I think is great for the Model Y in particular. Just so much stuff. Check it all out, again, at abstractocean.com. Pile everything you like into that online shopping cart, and when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST and you will get 15% off of your first order. I am very grateful to the folks at Abstract Ocean who have made that very generous first-time discount available to Ride the Lightning listeners for the last, gosh, several years now, I think. So thank you, Abstract Ocean. Snap Plate, which you can get at everyamp.com RTL, they have just begun offering a discount to Ride the Lightning listeners courtesy of the coupon code RTL. So go to everyamp.com slash RTL and then use the coupon code RTL and you will get a nice little discount on either the Snap Plate or the Snap Plate Plus, whichever one that you determine is the best one for you. They are both really nice, minimalist, paint-safe, grill-safe, radiator-safe, autopilot-safe, front license plate brackets for any of the Teslas. When you want to take it off and remove it, it will go away cleanly. It will leave no unsightly hardware behind when it's removed. And when it's on, it looks, again, as minimalist and nice and, and, nice, nice and clean, that's what I'm trying to say, as possible, but it's still super strong if you want it to be. So again, there's the snap plate, which is safety optimized with, a, with breakaway features to sacrifice itself in a worst case scenario like a parking accident or a car wash, but the Snap Plate Plus is strength optimized with hardened features for maximum strength. Both, both have their signature, boy, I can't talk anymore. It is, that is the sign that it's time for me to go. But both of those Snap Plates have the signature minimalist aesthetic that blends in perfectly with the Tesla front end. Both are made from recycled, made-in-the-USA plastics with stainless steel reinforcements. So again, get yours at everyamp.com RTL with the coupon code RTL. BudgetSafeSolar.com, you might consider them if you are considering 
a solar installation on your home or business. You will probably also consider Tesla Solar, and maybe you'll also consider one or two other companies. It's definitely something that you want to do your due diligence on. Uh, BudgetSafeSolar.com worked out very well for me. As I've told you before, my wife and I got a system on our roof that we're extremely happy with. And we're actually, gosh, it's if it's November, okay, we're three quarters of the way through the year. Our first year, we're nine months in now. And now we're, we're going to be heading into the lowest solar production time of the year because it's, of course, heading into our winter. But I'm very curious to see how much, how, if our credits that we generated from overproduction in the summer are going to cover us because the system as designed was supposed to be, I think, 104% offset, I believe. Anyway, BudgetSafeSolar.com. If you do end up using those guys for your solar installation, I humbly ask that you use the referral code RTL. Immaculate Reflections. The website there is irdetailing.com. If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with a car that you really care about, whether it's your Tesla or maybe another car, something else fun from your garage, I cannot recommend Immaculate Reflections enough. They will take such great care of your car, and by extension, you, by making your car look better than ever and getting it protected. So maybe you're going to protect it from the sun's UV rays by ceramic coating it, which, of course, ceramic coating, way better than wax. It's an advanced version of, it's a 21st century version of the wax we've traditionally put on our paint, paint jobs on our cars. So ceramic coating lasts a good three to five years, maybe more, and the water will just beat off of it when, you, when either it rains or you wash it. And that sun UV, those sun UV rays will not harm your paint. Maybe you want to do paint correction to take all the little flaws either from the factory or that have accumulated over time out of your paint, get your paint job looking as perfect as it possibly can. Maybe you want to do paint protection film for the front end of the car or all of the car, perhaps. Any of that, all of that. The uh, folks at Immaculate Reflections will take great care of you and your car. Again, head on over to irdetailing.com. When you reach out through there, just mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and you will get a nice little Ride the Lightning listener discount. PureTesla.com slash RTL is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. They use that micro SD storage format, which is just way better in the long run. It is going to hold up better than a traditional USB flash memory will. So 49 bucks will get you the 128 gigabyte kit. 69 bucks will step you up to the 256 gigabyte kit. They both come fully formatted for the Tesla cam. Take them straight out of the package, plug them right into your car. And shipping is free in the US. That's a nice little bonus as well. So get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, my Patreon, I mentioned it near the beginning of the show, but as I say, the Patreon is the primary way through which you can choose to support the podcast. You can support me and what I'm doing here if you so choose, and I hope at some point, maybe today is the day that you've been listening for a while, maybe today is the day where you go, you know what, yes, Ryan, you have earned my support 
I'm going to go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, and I'm going to take a look at the different support tiers, and I'm going to choose the one that makes the most sense for me. The base tier is just five bucks a month. And in return for that $5 a month, you will not only be able to feel good that you're supporting the free podcast that I deliver each and every single week, but you'll also get early access to each week's episode as well. If you step up to that $10 a month tier, that's where you get the early access each week and those weekly lightning round bonus mini episodes, including the entire archive of the 70 of them that I've made so far. So you can find all the information, all the different support tiers on my Patreon page. So head on over to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Most of you probably subscribe or use some sort of podcast service to get this podcast automatically delivered to you each week when the new episode drops, which of course is every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, unless you're on that Patreon with me, in which case you get the early access. But you can sign up for any of the big podcast services to automatically deliver you this podcast when the new episode comes out. I'm on all the big ones, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, YouTube Podcasts. And if you are wanting to listen on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you will find me there pretty easily, I hope. If you need a referral link to get the $250 off of your new Tesla purchase, as well as that three free months of FSD, I highly encourage you to use a friend's referral code, a family member's referral code, a coworker. But if you just need one, if, uh, if you don't have anybody else in your life that's got a referral link for you to take advantage of, you are welcome to use mine. Just type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 in your browser, hit enter. That will take you to the Tesla Design Studio where you you will choose which of the four currently in production Teslas that you'd like to configure and order. Go ahead and order it. And when you do that, through that referral link that I just gave you, that $250 discount and those three free months of FSD will be baked into the order. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'm on X and I'm also on Instagram. Same handle on both. It's DMC underscore Ryan. It is all Tesla all the time on my Instagram, but I admittedly post there maybe two or three times a week, whereas Twitter, because, uh, well, X, because I use it for my day job talking video games as well, I'm on that every day. So if either of those is of interest, you can follow me there. And then again, my podcast email address, if you'd like to email me for any reason, is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Finally, before I go, I'd like to say hello and thank you to the upper tier, super generous Patreon levels. I'll start with the the very tip top tier, the Roadster in Space tier. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, 
Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Kara Weston, Robert from Near Philly, and Kristen Rumble. Next up, the Maximum Plaid tier. Thank you so much to, actually I should say first, tomorrow as I record this, it'll be in the past for most of you, but we have our monthly Patreon Zoom Hangout, which as always I'm super looking forward to. We, as as I'm sure, we'll, we'll always find another cool topic to talk about, so I hope to see and get to talk to a lot of these names. The Maximum Plaid backers are invited to this every single month. It's a standing invitation, uh, the, the Maximum Plaid and higher, I should say. But I also, anybody that makes a new pledge at any level or upgrades their pledge from wherever they are to any level gets a one-time welcome slash thank you invitation to that monthly Patreon Zoom hangout. So these this crew here, the Maximum Plaid group, is uh, is invited all the time, and I do get to see a lot of these faces, and we always have a good conversation. So looking forward to chatting with these folks tomorrow, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from New York City, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Joel Sapp, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoie, contact1callcenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, Josh Pennington, Matt Kalen, John from Cream Ridge, New Jersey, Sean Tisdale, Dustin Hart, and Michael Gallo. And finally, another thank you goes out to the Plaid level supporters. This tier is officially no more, but these very kind folks continue to back me at that level. They're grandfathered into all the perks and bonuses that they deserve. So thank you so much to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Ish, not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. All right, we have come to the end of Ride the Lightning episode 431, TikTok to the Cybertruck launch, a moment we've all been waiting a long time for. But first, there's a, there's what? Two, wait, two, how many more episodes until one, two, three? Okay, three more, three more after this. And in four episodes from now, it's gonna be the Cybertruck delivery event, recap analysis, if I have the good fortune to be invited, I'll give you the man on the street reporting. Uh, I, regardless, I'm pumped. I can't wait. And 
I'm sure we're gonna have plenty to talk about in the meantime. So, in that meantime, happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.